0: This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. It's Wild Preview Day. I'm excited about that. I hope you guys are excited as well. The Wild open their regular season Thursday night against the Rangers. A lot of optimism for this season. A lot of questions, though, after the offseason departure of Kevin Fiala. Um, A lot of different looks in goal for them this year. Maybe some questions about the defense. So a lot to sort out as the year goes along, and Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune will help me do just that, uh, help me preview the Wild. That'll be coming up in just a couple minutes here. I will also get to a listener question about the Timberwolves. It seems quite optimistic, but you know what? They are 4-0 and in the preseason, so why not think big about that team? And, you know, both of those winter teams should be pretty good this year and maybe even better than pretty good. First, though, what did I miss? Just kind of connecting the dots on some thoughts I was having the other day, listening to Kirk Cousins Wednesday out at the Vikings facility in Egan talking about roughing the passer calls and, you know, what he thinks has been most impactful over the years in terms of protecting the quarterback. Let's take a journey back to October 15th, 2017. So almost, almost the five year anniversary of that date. That was the day the Vikings played the Packers at US Bank Stadium. Vikings came into that game three and two. Green Bay, I believe, was four and one at the time. Early in the game, Anthony Barr hits Aaron Rodgers, lands on him, and ends up ending Aaron Rodgers' season um, with with the hit he put on him. And that changed the whole course of that season, and really changed the trajectory of the Vikings and Not so much the Packers, but certainly the Vikings. Vikings go on to finish thirteen and three that season. Packers without Aaron Rodgers for much of the rest of that season finished seven and nine. Don't really have, you know, the the wherewithal to to get back in the race. You know, they had a couple couple late wins that season to to try to salvage the year, but seven and nine after that four and one start. So that certainly influenced that year. But think about what happened after that. You know, first of all. Vikings decide that <clears throat> even though Case Keenum had a very good season that year that he was not the long-term answer. They made it to the NFC title game, got blown out by the Eagles, but they were just that one step away from the Super Bowl. They're like, "We are one missing piece. We are one dependable quarterback away from getting ultimately to the Super Bowl." And they decide that that person is Kirk Cousins. They bring Cousins in on that 3-year, 84 million dollar contract in the offseason, you know, sign him to that mega deal Um, And that uh, that changes the course of things, right? Because then they go from a team that isn't spending a lot on the quarterback to a team that is spending a lot on the quarterback. They go kind of into all-in mode to a certain degree, start losing their ability to maybe pay some of those second and third contracts for those defensive players. Or if they do, it becomes expensive. So they sign Kirk Cousins in that moment. The other thing that happens as an offshoot from that game, that play, is the NFL changes its rules on what is acceptable for hitting a quarterback. You call it the Aaron Rodgers rule, you call it the Anthony Barr rule, but they make a new rule before the 2018 season uh, that says you basically can't put your weight on a quarterback when, when sacking the quarterback or bringing the quarterback to the ground. And we've seen that play out over and over again since then. But basically, it was in response to Barr landing on Rodgers in that game in 2017. So that changed at that moment. Now, what does that have to do exactly with the long-term future of both teams? Well, Kirk Cousins, known for his durability um, with Washington, in addition to his ability, uh, both of those things going hand-in-hand, Cousins, interestingly enough, talked a lot about that play, that moment. And at least that rule on, on Wednesday when asked specifically about what has had the most impact on protecting the quarterback over the years. Yeah, I don't know exactly uh, where the rules were when I started my career. I know the big one is when they land on you. You know, when a 320-pound man uh, lands on you and you're falling from several feet in the air and he, he's on you. Uh, it's going to be tough to stay healthy in those moments. So the fact that they're saying, hey, you have to, when you hit him, you have to sort of roll off, I think that is one that strategically will prolong uh, quarterback seasons and quarterback's careers because the, it's inevitable that you're going to get drilled in the chest as you throw it. And if they then can land on you and they're big, big guy, uh, it's not sustainable. Um, that's the one that I think was a, was a, a win for the quarterbacks. <laughs> So if not for that play, do the Vikings really go 13-3 that year? Not a chance, I don't think. I mean, a lot of things fell into place for them that year, but maybe they lose that game. They fall to 3-3. Three and three. Maybe they're not even a playoff team that year. That opened the door for the whole season. I think they're better than that, but maybe they lose in the first round of the playoffs and they're not convinced that they're one quarterback away. Do they go get Kirk Cousins at that point, or do they stay with Case Keenum? Do they stay with Teddy Bridgewater? That's a big what-if. And the flip side of it is, if that rule isn't enacted, is Kirk Cousins as durable in his four years with the Vikings so far, 4-plus now, as he was, as he eventually turned out to be? He'd been a durable quarterback throughout his career up until that point, but what if he comes here and he gets landed on in that way, gets hurt changes the trajectory of his career, changes the trajectory of how he is thought of. Is he still the quarterback here right now if he had more of a history of getting hurt? He's only missed two games in four seasons with the Vikings. One of them he sat out while they had nothing to play for, and of course one of them when he had COVID. But he has not been injured in his time here, and uh, that has stayed that way. That has been one of his greatest traits. So just thinking about putting all those pieces together and how that led to not only Kirk Cousins being here, but perhaps Kirk Cousins staying here for better or for worse. I'd say the Vikings will say it is for better right now as they are four and one. And this, this season, like I talked about and like we all talked about with Andrew Kramer and Ben Gessling on, uh, on Wednesday's Access Vikings podcast, this season feeling a lot to me like 2017 where a lot of things are going right. Do I think they're going to win 13 games? Probably not. Uh, but this does have the feel of a season where Things have gone unexpectedly well for them, and maybe that's going to keep going. A key facet of that, of course, getting to face the third-string quarterback now for the Dolphins on Sunday. A chance to go 5-1 and one into the bye without perhaps playing their best football. So think about how all those things are connected. Think about that five-year anniversary Saturday, and think about where that leaves the Vikings right now. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to mystic Lake where every day is play day. Let's talk hockey. It's uh, we haven't talked enough hockey probably in the lead up here in October to the wild season, but we're going to change that right now. Let's welcome in Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune, of course, covers the wild beat for our paper. Does a great job doing it, and has an interesting team to cover again this year. Sarah, after after they you know set a team record with what 113 points last season, made it to the playoffs. Some disappointment once they got there. That series against uh, the series against the Blues kind of got away from them to a certain degree at a certain point, but still plenty of reasons for them to be. Optimistic going into this year. Um, <clears throat> I guess when a team does that well, you don't expect a ton of changes. But as you think about kind of the offseason, what are what are the bigger kind of, I guess, storylines or things that you feel like they changed coming into the year that people should pay attention to right off the bat?
1: You're right. Not a ton of roster turnover in the offseason, but the changes that did happen were clearly significant, led by the departure of Kevin Fiala, who was traded to Los Angeles. It was a situation, obviously, where the wild was feeling a salary cap crunch, um, you know, especially with the escalating costs of the Zach Breeze and Ryan Suter buyouts. So there really wasn't any room in the budget to offer Kevin Fiala a new contract. So he's traded. And obviously the timing of that comes after he just had his best season in the NHL, culminating in 85 points and he was a 30 goal scorer so that's a huge chunk of the offense that is now out the door and obviously it leaves in its wake the question of who picks up that production and looking at the lineup it'll clearly probably likely have to be a by committee approach because obviously still considering their books there wasn't, you know, some lavish acquisition in response to Piala's departure. The money just wasn't there. Um, so that was a big, obviously, exit for this team. And the other one came in net with the Wild trading Cam Talbot after re-signing Mark andre Fleury. So even though Fleury was familiar with the team, he came in at the deadline, uh, in a trade from Chicago last season, he's the starter, obviously undisputed from the get-go, and he's partnering with a new backup in Philippe Gustafsson, who was acquired in that Talbot trade. So a little different look in that from the start of the season, and obviously maybe a question mark on the offense just because of Fiala's departure and how else the team can find a way to produce without someone obviously who last season was this team's second best scorer.
0: Yeah. I'd imagine that, you know, will change. I, w- I want to get back to the goaltending in a minute, but I imagine the departure of Fiala does maybe change the identity of a team, a little bit of team that scored so many goals last season was, you know, winning games, six, four, six, five, five, four sometimes. And just, <clears throat> you know, outscoring teams and was able to do that with that kind of firepower this year might be a little bit different. Like you're saying, not only the, a committee approach to replacing Fiala, but, you know, like you wrote about for Thursday's paper, like there were a lot of players on last year's team who had, you know, what do we call them, career years or exceeded expectations with, you know, goals, points, things like that. There, It is fair to wonder whether, you know, those eight can sustain that, whether they can exceed that, if, if some of them will fall back whether other play, other people like a marco rossi will will you know come in and then exceed that and it all kind of comes out in the wash but how do you see kind of those players who maybe gave them more than you thought last year how do you, how do you see them uh, performing this year
1: well, I don't think their roles will change much. So if that was the opportunity that they were given last season to take on more responsibility and that's how they responded, that's probably got to be encouraging for the wild. Someone like a, a Frederick Goudreau who went, you know, from being maybe a minor player on previous teams to getting an opportunity to, you know, down the stretch in the second half was centering the Kevin Fiala, Matt Boldy line that was completely dynamic for the wild. Um, so, you know, he's still obviously going to have uh, a role that is key in this offense, even though it's obviously a different line with Fiala's exit. Um, You know, the Jewel Eriksson, Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway line when reunited, you know, obviously when Greenway is healthy and ready to go their role isn't going to change. They're still going to be billed as this matchup shut down line, but obviously they've proven they have a knack for scoring as well. And I think too, the role and opportunity that these players will get on special teams like the power play, that's an opportunity too, that was maybe new for some players and they took advantage. I think otherwise, obviously, this is an offense headlined by the Kirill Kaprizov, Ryan Hartman, Matsucarella line. And that line to start the season, obviously, is intact. And Kaprizov has shown, obviously, his ability to get better in this league, even though there is a bigger spotlight on him. There was that question, well, how is he going to respond from year one to year two after being a Calder Trophy winner? He's going to go up against the whole league. And what happened, he became the Wilds' first 100-point player and the fifth-best score in the NHL overall. So he's obviously, you know, generating a track record here where he will find ways to produce. And I think having that chemistry in combination with Zuccarello has proved to be a tough matchup for teams to handle. So if those two are still very much setting the tone, if other players are still capitalizing on their opportunities, and if there is an influx, you know, of scoring from the likes of a Marco Rossi. You know, there's still, I think, is potential for this offense to be, like I said, maybe tough to corral on a nightly basis. But again, to your point, and and you know, maybe we'll talk more about the defense and goaltending. If this is a team that cleans up its own end and doesn't need to score five or six a night and win by pulling the goalie and getting those six on five goals and rallying like they did last season for these high scoring wins then maybe they don't need, you know, that offense to produce as much. And they start winning 3-1 or 3-2. They all count the same. So we'll see if that's maybe a style shift that happens this season for the Wild, maybe in response to some of this personnel change that we're seeing, obviously, in light of Fiala leaving in that trade to the Kings.
0: We'll get to defensive goaltending, defense and goaltending in a little bit. But I do want to talk a little bit more Marco Rossi because I'm excited. I, I watched him some in the preseason. Um, it was a very good preseason. He made the team. Um, one of what, two rookies to make the team. Addison made the team, too. Um, young, young players at least. And they've got some more maybe that could contribute along the way. But by, uh, they're going to have a hard time tempering expectations based on at least the early looks we got in the preseason. And, and wh- how do you think his role will, how, how does he fit in role-wise with this team right now?
1: Well, it looks like he's clearly going to start on the line that he pretty much skated on most of training camp in the preseason. And that's, you know, on what would look like the fourth line with Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhane. But we'll see if it changes, Um, you know, clearly that's a role that I think he's still going to find his minutes, he's still going to probably get looks on the power play it looks like so there's going to be opportunity there, but I think what was most impressive was pretty much kind of the business like approach that he had coming into camp you could kind of look at the roster before the preseason and see a spot for Marco Rossi. Clearly Um, there was a path for him onto this roster, but the wild kept saying, obviously that these spots have to be earned. And he very much carried himself like that and went out and merited it. He led the NHL in preseason scoring. He found a way to be a factor. He helped out on special teams. So I think he pretty much checked all the boxes in you know determining his readiness for this opportunity um, so we'll see if there's some flexibility in the lineup. I think maybe the intriguing look could be if he ever jumps up and skates with Matt Boldy and, and Freddie Goudreau. Um, you know, we'll see. Obviously, he has that potential, I think, to, you know, maybe merit that down the road and warrant that opportunity. But for right now, it looks like he's in that role, like I said, with Dewar and Duhame and also probably getting that look on the power play which obviously the wild has been wanting to tweak personnel after the struggles last season and that was something else that I think a takeaway in the preseason was some progress but we'll see how that holds up in the regular season
0: that's a good entry point for me to talk about those special teams because I, I had Bill Guerin out of the state fair uh, it was must have been early late August I guess that was that I talked to him and he was the you know, that's one thing that he was really clear about and one thing that he said you know they really have to address and you know had to come from within because they didn't acquire a whole lot of new players it's got to be new systems or better coaching or the players just understanding their roles better on both those sides especially you know assuming they do get back to the postseason such an important part of that Um, do you feel like the confidence for them in in that area is is there yet do you feel like they think they've addressed some of those things already i think
1: Training camp in the preseason was probably a good primer for that. We've seen, obviously, the different looks, and chiefly the addition of a Marco Rossi to one unit and Kaylin Addison working the point on the other. Uh, So obviously they're trying to mix it up, and really at this point, for the power play at least, it really does seem like the most impactful change can come from personnel. Um, So we'll again see how that translates to the regular season, but I think there were good signs – For the unit in the preseason for them to find a way to contribute seven goals and capitalize in some key moments of games to, um, you know, establish maybe some more control of the action and I think that's key for the power plays it can't be a drain. Uh, on momentum and even sometimes just generating quality looks can be can be advantageous so there's a lot of I think room for that unit to progress and obviously I think part of the reason that Marco Rossi and Kalen Addison stood out so much in their auditions for this team this year was their ability to impact that and those are skill sets that they have and on the flip side too the penalty kill obviously is another focus and I think maybe that Um, can get amplified a little bit more because if the wild can clean up that area and limit goals against Again, I think it goes back to this is a team, if they're not giving up four, five, six goals a night, they don't need to score five, six, seven. So again, I think the penalty kill is maybe kind of an under the radar area, but it's still a facet of the game that can be really helpful to this team in the big picture. I think for them, a key is aggressiveness. And we saw that already in the preseason. We saw a handful of shorthanded goals. And that is, you know, in the eyes of Coach Dean Evason, a direct link to... What is happening in their scheme? Um, Another one is clears. There were times last season where they came so close to getting the puck out, and they didn't. It came back to end up in the back of the net. So clears aggressiveness. I think those are kind of two of the changes to look for on the penalty kill. And again, goes back to better defending puts a little bit less demand on the offense.
0: Absolutely, and let's get to that because I don't know if you know. I don't know if they set out. If Bill Guerin set out, you know, at, at any point you know, it's written at the beginning of last year to completely change his goaltending situation because that was, you know, a strength to a certain degree a couple of years ago, at least. And then certainly at points last year with Cam Talbot and Kakin and sharing the net, doing some good things there. And then you kind of hit the slump. You bring Flurry in to kind of solidify that going into the playoffs. That maybe creates a little bit of whatever it was with, with Talbot. And next thing you know, Talbot is traded. Gustafsson's in. Gustafsson's in. The whole thing is changing now. How do you think that, you know it's a brand new look and we always know Flurry has a track record obviously and it sounds like Josephson's had a good camp but you know when you don't kind of have that the guys that you knew of the year before that there does create that kind of element of how does this all fit together how how is this going to be the solution that gets them forward
1: i think training camp was key in the sense that you know the wild finally had consistent reps to work in front of flurry and i think that that opportunity to just build familiarity was really important because obviously last season, he comes in at the trade deadline. It's late in the season. It's pretty much a rhythm where teams are playing almost every other day. There's not a lot of practice time. And so I think now that he's had a few weeks to even in practices, not even in games, he only had a few of a, Appearances in the preseason, only gave up one goal, but the workload wasn't very heavy in those games. So I think even just the practice time uh, to read this defense in front of him for the defenseman to be able to read and react off of him and kind of gain more of an insight into his habits and where he places pucks. And I think just, just that opportunity should should help. And again, we'll see how it holds up in the regular season. But, you know, him coming in last season, he obviously, you know, had an instant impact in helping this team rack up wins. And I think now that there's a little bit more, like I said, time for them to get familiar with each other. um, I think that should be helpful for this team. Fleury is obviously experienced. He's a future hall of famer, a three times Stanley cup champion. Um, You know, he's at a point in his career, I think it sounds like he's still very much motivated to win. And he saw that opportunity here with the wild. So um, again, we'll kind of see how the workload works out. You're right, Gustafson, I think impressed in camp with what he's shown, um, but he is a backup. And so this is still a system where flurry will probably be the face of this crease. And if it is a situation where the wild can start to cut back on that goals against average, especially you know when they're shorthanded, it could be obviously a very successful formula for this team you know especially considering some of the the star power up front led by Kaprizov
0: well and down the stretch last year there was always the question of who it was going to be Talbot or Flurry. and I feel it like, what do you imagine the split will be obviously Flurry is certainly the the starter do you feel like it'll be like a two-thirds one-third share or even more how, how do you imagine they'll, they'll divvy up the games
1: it's t- I think nowadays in the NHL, we've, the league has kind of evolved away from that clear-cut, you know, 70-12 split. Like, it's yeah. just not as severe as it used to be. Uh, but having said that, you know, I, I think a lot of it, too, very much is rhythm. A lot of times we see back-to-back split. And, you know, there's kind of those logical decisions. But, um, too, like we've seen in the past here, when, when a goalie has is, is gotten on a run – um you know sometimes they merit more of the crease and we see a shift but you know, I, I think for for Fleury, we should expect him to obviously handle the bulk of that. Uh, but there are going to be instances, I think, where this team is going to need Gustafson to come in and and make a difference, and and not just handle, you know, the second half of a back to back or the first half of a back to back. And um, for him, it's a he's at a key kind of moment in his career too, getting this opportunity coming in from this trade from Ottawa, and so. I think he's very cognizant too of this opportunity and, and having a motivated goaltender obviously could bode very well for the wild in that situation.
0: It sure could. Well, a couple more thoughts and we'll let you go. Uh, They open the season, of course, Thursday, it's a long year. Um, But you know, that said, I'm sure there's, there's things they want to do well right off the bat to kind of get into the the rhythm of the season, make sure they're not falling behind. They, They were in a pretty good spot. Most of last year, as you think about the season though, in the big picture, and you're thinking 113 points, whether that's attainable or not. If, if they're going to get back to that level or even exceed it, what what will it, what will the narrative be at the end of the year? What will what will we be saying about this team if if they've had the kind of year they're hoping to have?
1: I, I think Kaprizov will probably have done even better. Which how can you get even better? Like sure. more than more than 100 and you know plus points, like
0: MVP One, caliber. Like that kind of, that good,
1: you know, he was kind of, I think on the fringe of the conversation this year, last season, but obviously Austin Matthews scored 60 goals and Connor McDavid is always there. So, but yeah, maybe if he's much more in that conversation, if he, if he gets to 50 goals, obviously he was at 47 last season. So if he becomes a 50 goal scorer, I, I think too, um, you know, another step for Matt Boldy uh, this is an interesting season for him to year two here with the team from the beginning after you know, a small sample size as a rookie, you know, pretty much condensed to the second half of the season, but impressive. But obviously, you know, he was playing alongside Fiala. They had terrific chemistry. Now Fiala is gone. If he is really able to kind of continue his breakout tra- trajectory, I think that would be very key. And two, again, I really do think it, it it goes back to this team's own end. As much as this has been a very offensive-minded team, known kind of that shift, known now for its scoring prowess under under Coach Dean Epson. If this team, like I said, can clean up its own end, and and get you know just maybe that tighter goaltending penalty kill defending I think that's part of it too I you know last season's team was predicated on those rallies and those last minute comebacks and coming from behind and pulling the goalie sometimes with you know multiple multiple minutes left in the third right. period and and, it, and it's an exciting, entertaining brand of hockey, but is it sustainable? I think there's experience probably gained from that. And I think if the Wild gets into a situation again where they have to rally, they're probably no stranger to that. But, you know, for this team to, I think a big focus is details and, and really taking care of kind of the building blocks of a game and how to be successful. So if they're able to win more 2-1, 3-2 hockey games – and kind of maybe just show that other side, another dimension. Um, I, I think that'll, that'll really stand out to come the end of the season.
0: Yeah. And that could go well for the postseason as well, where you have to be able to win a lot of different ways. And sometimes it is three, two, and you gotta, you just gotta grind it out and get it done. Well, I'm looking forward to the season. It should be a fun one to watch. I'm sure we'll talk plenty more as the season goes along, but read all of Sarah's coverage, Star tribune, StarTribune.com, And we'll talk soon. Great stuff from Sarah McClellan, as always. Always good to catch up with her, talk a little bit of wild hockey. There should be a lot more of that to come this season. I think the one of the biggest things to watch this season, like Sarah and I talked about, is the goaltending. Completely remade. They're kind of in this spot where they have confidence in Marc-Andre Fleury. Sounds like they've got confidence in Philippe Gustafsson. And they're kind of waiting for Jesper Walstad, their their high draft pick from a couple years ago, to arrive. But he's still just 19; he hasn't turned 20 until November 14th. So that is, you know, more of a uh, more of a wait and see than it is uh, probably a probably he's going to help right away. So kind of in this spot where they need goaltending this year, they've got a guy who's got obviously the the Hall of Fame credentials. Can he do it at a very high level for at least one more season? That might tell you a lot about how far this team can go this year. Speaking of unbridled optimism, let's finish with the cooler. Got a question the other day, a reader listener question from Leslie M says, do you think the Timberwolves can win the NBA championship this year? Forget about fifty wins? Forget about you know, going to the getting a top four seed wants to know if the Timberwolves can win the NBA championship this season. And, you know, right now is as good a time as any to dream big because they are 0-0 in the regular season. And they are 4-0 now in the preseason. They beat the Lakers in the preseason last night, even without Carl Anthony Towns, without Rudy Gobert playing in that game. This looks to be a very deep team, looks to be a talented team. We don't know yet how Towns and Gobert are really going to fit together. At a certain point, though, that will smooth itself out. They just seem like they have enough players this season that they should be able to be slump-proof. They should win some games even when they're not playing their best. I definitely feel like this is a 50-plus win team. I don't think this is a championship team yet, but I think they are building something awfully good. So, I think the optimism is warranted. Like I said, I don't think this is the championship season, but this could be one of those steps along the way where you say they absolutely feel like they are on that trajectory, and if they can take a big step forward this season, um, then you can start asking that question maybe as soon as next year. But I love the optimism, Leslie. Keep it up. No reason to be pessimistic. Just go into it, thinking good things are going to happen, manifest it, and we'll see what happens this year. That will do it for me today. Ben Gessling should join me on Friday to talk more Vikings ahead of that game against the Dolphins on Sunday. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday. Back at it again tomorrow.